Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Zoe Digital Japan. Get more visitors to your website and convert them into paying customers. Zoe Digital helps foreign companies expand in Japan with digital marketing services. Look for the elephant logo at zoedigital.jp. Now in Zen is also sponsored by Dream Drive, the customized camper van company. Why not rent a camper van and explore more of Japan in comfort and style? Dream Drive. Hello, everyone. Have you ever wanted to create your own tailor made tour within Japan? Go anywhere, do anything, the sky's the limit, as long as it's legal? Today, we hear from Alex Debs, the founder of Hito Toki, the luxury travel designer. This episode, you will hear about the intimate details of luxury travel planning, including his most difficult travel request to date. We also discuss how he is coping despite the pandemic restrictions, his struggles as a specialized travel agency and dealing with the large Japan travel associations, exclusive itinerary suggestions for a two or three day trip out of Tokyo, and they are very cool. Launching his very own travel club for smaller travel suppliers and how to book a seat at Jiro Sushi. It's a fascinating look into a world most of us have never experienced. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with luxury travel designer Alex Debs. You will try to arrange anything that a client asks. Yes, basically anything legal, then that's our job. We'll be happy to, to help. Has anybody a- ever asked for something illegal? Oh, sometimes you have some、uh, borderline requests, so you always need to、uh, really clarify the limits, and there is never a problem with that. What's、so. an example of a borderline request? Oh, you know, some, you know, in the luxury market, some clients believe that they can buy basically anything, so we need to、uh, always set the limits, I guess.、But、Manage expectations. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. So let's say a client requests. Learn how to make sushi from a master chef, meet a real geisha, and forge my own katana sword. I assume you try to accommodate as much as possible, but some requests, don't you have to manage expectations to some degree? Yes, that's true. We actually put high value for our Hitotoki signature experiences. So, this means that we try to always have very exclusive things we can arrange. So, usually, people thinking about Japan, it's such examples like a katana sword or meeting a famous sushi chef or such kind of experiences. As much as we can, we try to always answer those requests. But of course, sometimes if you ask a very,、uh, I don't know, very popular restaurant for a same night booking, then Clearly explain what we can do, what we cannot do. Luckily, hotel concierge are also here to support for such last minute requests. So we have our network and we work this way to answer requests. So, for restaurants, I mean, one famous restaurant is Jiro Sushi、yes. Restaurant. I'm sure everybody who comes to Japan that likes sushi wants to eat at that restaurant. Do you have contacts to get a reservation there? Yes. For instance, Jiro Sushi is one of those very,、uh, I would say, very Japanese unique restaurants where you cannot just call and, and book it. 
So of course we have contacts who actually go there very often. So they have kind of a direct contact with uh, Jiro and his family. There are also just a couple of hotels in Japan that can book for their clients. So if the clients want to uh, eat at Jiro restaurant, for instance, we need to select a particular type of hotels that might be able, not all five-star hotels can book such restaurants. For sure. That's kind of our knowledge and our network. We know who to contact for what type of requests. Your company, Hitotoki, is described on your website as a luxury travel designer. What exactly does that mean? As a boutique luxury travel agency, we wanted to have this image of not being a traditional travel agency, but more kind of agency between a concierge service and a travel agency. So actually we say we are Totoki Luxury Travel Designer, a boutique travel agency mm-hmm. based in Japan. That's how we describe ourselves. That's nice. why we chose that name. On your website, hitotoki-travel.com, lists one activity you offer I thought was very interesting. It's an off-limits visit to temples and shrines. Yes. It sounds cool. What is this and how do you arrange that? The way we create such activities is by actually not us proactively looking for, you know, doing such experiences, but more our contacts, our very local contacts in some specific regions in Japan tell us, oh, you know what, I have my uncle who is actually a monk in this very famous temple or like those type of connections that will help us to build some very unique experiences. So the thing is, it's not like just going to the temple, for instance, it's more we'll arrange a whole experience around this. So for instance, for that particular temple uh, we mentioned on that we- on the, our website, we'll arrange this experience. We'll also arrange visits of nearby uh, wasabi farm and uh, green tea farms where people are usually not allowed to enter. It's not those touristy farms, but more very rural, traditional Japanese farm. That's so we, interesting. Yeah. Like a wasabi farm, that sounds cool. It's really cool, yeah. Can you actually harvest the wasabi yourself or you only deal with the wasabi after it's already been produced? Depending on the time of the year when you go to the field, so you might uh, harvest the wasabi, you, you can also participate in like all the different steps in like preparing, packaging and all that. Those are very small farms, also very beautiful because landscapes are beautiful. Those are in uh, Shizuoka, so if the yep. weather is nice, you have Mount Fuji in the background, it's really like... Those type of photos you found on websites, you never know how, how those people found those places. And so basically we try to have such kind of, how to say, magical experiences of I Japan. Magical experiences. It's not mass tourism. Some of these smaller partners you have, they don't mind accepting one or two visitors. Absolutely. This kind of reminds me of Tsukiji, right? Tsukiji used to be where everybody went early in the morning. It became a mass tourist destination and then Skiji Market just said no more. Yes. Now you have this blocked off area and there's a big distance between yes. the auction and the tourists and it's probably lost a lot of its charm. Absolutely. We actually do not really recommend going to the new uh, Toyosu Fish Market because you're actually looking from the second floor behind a glass window so you cannot even take pictures because the quality will not be good. So those type of places, there are 
hundreds of local fish markets across Japan that are very, of course they are smaller than Tsukiji, but they are very traditional. They don't welcome visitors. So what happened is that when you bring somebody who is interested to learn more about you know, this aspect of the Japanese culture, they're so happy and they, the way they will treat guests is absolutely amazing. And in the end, that's a much better experience. So, Are they guided because we're really focusing only on the luxury market, we always have guides with our clients. And especially when you go in more rural areas, it's very important. So we work with local guides for each region so that they really know a lot of aspects of the city that maybe whole country guides don't know that well. He knows the best places, he knows the best restaurants, he knows the best people in town. He's probably his family has a lot of contacts. Most of your customers come do they have a theme that they want to do? Like they want to immerse themselves in a culinary experience or they just want to have a unique experience of Japan? Mm. We have mostly U.S. clients and Middle Eastern clients and they are very different type of travelers. So Middle Eastern clients would prefer to stay in like uh, international brand hotels and relax and do more shopping, not too much cultural experiences and hands-on experiences. U.S. clients are more willing to discover cultural aspects of Japan, but they don't want to spend like too many nights, for instance, in Ryokan. They are not like Europeans, really enjoy very rustic hotels, rustic activities. So it's a good balance, it depends. But what we noticed also is... A lot of clients actually have an image of Japan. They say, oh, I want to experience like a sumo, uh, I want to see a sumo training. And then we explain to them that if you want to see a sumo training, you need to wake up very early. You need to spend a couple of hours sitting on the floor. You cannot eat, cannot even go to the bathroom. So they hear that and they realize maybe they kind of have a fantasy about this. So they end up doing something much more convenient as a as a trip which i totally understand that's funny i've heard two examples similar to that really that everybody wants to go to a sumo match and everybody wants to climb mount fuji yes but the reality is a sumo match lasts hours exactly and you sit on the floor for hours and climbing mount fuji is walking up a mountain of rocks mainly with your head down looking at your feet <laughs> and it's not picturesque uh, it's not quite the postcard image of mount fuji that, that they imagined that's true yes and actually mount fuji you can only climb it two months a year so it's usually what people don't realize is that you are walking with somebody just right in front of you somebody just behind you and it's really not the image of going on your solo experience with yourself, uh, reflecting on your life. It's really not like that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of interesting. What does hitotoki mean? Hitotoki, the kanji is like ichiji, so it's one time. And the idea is it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's really what we want to offer as a, like a luxury travel agency. So we really want people to have a unique trip to Japan, something they may not have done in other countries of course, culturally, it's very different, but also in terms of service. So when a client reach out to us, they basically have only one contact through the whole experience. If it's me who enter the first time on the phone, then they will always be with me, not during the tour, but I'm preparing the trip. Or if there is anything during the trip, we'll reach out to them. We'll So they know they have their own kind of butler throughout the trip, yeah. you know, relying on somebody who take care of everything. 
How many of your clients come from referrals? A, a lot of them. We started Hitotoki five years ago. So at the beginning, of course, it was word of mouth. And through time, the people were really happy of our services. So they start referring their friends. For instance, we had a family from Panama who actually found us online. And so they traveled to Japan with us, a family like it was about a total of six people traveling together. They really enjoyed their trip. It was very, very unique, uh, high-end, like a very difficult trip to, to prepare. Everything went extremely smoothly. Obviously, they were very happy. They start referring their friends. And after five years now, we have over like 20% of our clients who were from Panama and Colombia. Wow. So that's very funny. So, so you have to find Spanish-speaking guides. Actually, we work mostly with English-speaking guides. Especially on luxury market, most people speak fluent English. We put a lot of trust on our guides. We believe they are kind of the eyes and the image of Hitotoki in front of the client. It's not only about knowledge, it's also about being flexible, being friendly. We prefer to work with guides we really know well, so that's why we rely mostly on our English-speaking guides, our base. Fair enough. Your industry has been one of the hardest hit by the COVID pandemic. How have you dealt with this challenge? Have you pivoted to anything new? Yes, last year was extremely hard. I believe the inbound travel industry was the fastest and the most hard hit industry because obviously borders closed. We had zero clients from one day to the other, especially during the middle of the peak season. You know, at first it was a big shock and I believe we, we kind of froze for a couple of months trying to see like, is it really going to happen and stay like that for a while? And when we realized that, we had to really take drastic uh, measures. The first part, I would say uh, spring 2020, we mostly had to deal with cancellation, how to do with your standard cancellation policy, how to adapt, how to pro offer rebooking, ne negotiating with your suppliers and all of that. So that was the first part. And then the second part, we thought, okay, what can we do? At that time, Japan was fully closed. No opportunities even for people to, you know, like foreign residents in Japan could not even get back to Japan. So that was that hard. So what we did is as soon as they start accepting residents to come back, we were the first company to arrange uh, self-quarantine packages, arranging pickup in the airport, the private transfer, uh, the quarantine hotels, because not all hotels would actually let you stay if you come from overseas. Yeah. And you have so many rules when you, the rules keep changing about the PCR tests, about which country is allowed, which country needs to do a couple of days in a government facility before going to a quarantine hotel. You have like so many rules. We kind of became specialists for that. So we spent our time, yeah, talking with Ministry of Foreign Affairs and hearing what are the latest news and rules. And so we started selling such packages to clients. So that was really our first move, I would say, through the crisis. Excellent. It's, it was very enriching. You, you learn a lot about crisis management. But of course, it's not making that much uh, money like a standard tour, obviously. But, you know, it keeps you busy and people hear about you as well. And you keep working with your partner hotels who are very happy. That's what we started doing. And we realized, okay, it's a very hard time. That's when I turned first to, as a travel agency, you need to have a license. And to, when you get a license, most agencies need to join a travel association for... JATA, right? JATA. Japan Association of Travel Agents. 
And you also have ANTA, which is similar association. Those are historic travel associations whose board are JTB, HIS, all of those top travel agencies. And the directors of JATA are usually come from those yes, agencies, right? Yes, exactly. So all of them, like you can check on the website, the board members are all chairman at JTB and getting an additional job at the JATA chairman. And, uh, in many countries, that would be very, really borderline. And in Japan, this is just how our industry is. I was a bit naive in the way that I reach out to them and say, hey, we are Hitotoki. Past two years, we paid over 2 million yens for membership fees and all of that. Would you consider, please, reducing the fee or freezing the fee because we don't have clients and I'm struggling. So what are you going to do? No answer. So I send another email. I say, hey, I've sent you an email. What can we do? They get back to us and say, sorry, please pay. And that's all. So I was very frustrated in the way that Japan Association of Travel Agents, I'm supposed, my English might not be that good, but for me, an association of travel agents is supposed to help the travel agents who yes. are members. But it's not how it works. So I decided to write an open letter to the JATA chairman back in October 2020. And I explained all our situation and how many of us were struggling the go-to program, all the major travel agencies were involved with that. Were you involved? Go-to campaign was very interesting. Go-to was a campaign for domestic travel, pushing people to travel, and the government was paying half of the trip uh, with taxpayers. Yeah, it was a great deal. The go-to campaign was decided and arranged by those Chata companies. You have JTB, HIS, and such companies who decided the rules which were extremely hard. So we applied to join as a member of JATA. We applied to be part of the go-to campaign. The process took two months, and after two months, we still didn't get an answer, a positive answer, while we are already a member and a licensed travel agent. And in the end, they sent us manuals. I'm not joking, hundreds of pages, which are updated every two weeks, so you need to like reprint them. And they send you the coupon. The funniest part is they send you coupon to give to your clients, and they send you amounts which are in a quantity that are so big that as a small travel agent, anybody who sings just a little would realize it's not possible. We receive boxes and boxes of coupon. And we are a small company, a tsunami of coupon. And yeah. this is real money, basically. I mean, it's, it's worse money. So you have a huge responsibility to protect this money. And they tell you, you need to put it in a safe. I don't have a safe that can fit two rooms of coupons. You need a bank vault. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All of that to say is that the go-to campaign was really not meant for smaller, ag smaller agents, smaller travel players like activity suppliers and all of that. But it could have helped you, right? It could have helped, but it's in the end it didn't. And like us, many of our competitors drop out of go-to because I told them I don't want to keep your coupons because I don't have space. And you start hearing in the news how... In some hotels, coupons were stolen and like, because people cannot stock, you know, in a small hotel, you don't have place to stock so many coupons. So we decided the logistics was so heavy for the go-to campaign in comparison to the profit we were making because people, domestic travel is going to be one night or two nights. So it works when you are a very large corporation, you make a lot of money. But as a small company, if I have one client who want to spend one night in Hakone with go-to campaign, in comparison to all the logistics and the reports you need to send, you have every month you need to send very large reports, it's really not worth it. 
So that was the point where we decided to discuss with our partners and even our competitors and so let's start a new club and let's build new network of companies in Japan that really work as small and medium companies and individual working in the inbound travel industry together. And this is the Hospitality Industry Club of Japan that you started. Exactly, HICJ, which is a club of small and medium enterprises and individual entrepreneurs who are working in the inbound travel industry, who wants to connect together, who want to improve our industry, who want to raise a shared voice as actors of the inbound industry. And we are also the first club which is fully bilingual. How many members do you have? So now we have uh, nearly 60 members. In six zero. Six zero. Wow. Travel agencies, hotels, activity suppliers, guides. Just for like the travel agency world, we have most of the small popular travel agencies working, small and medium, because we have some companies over 100 staff who joined. So. And they were happy to join your association because they were dissatisfied with the other organizations or just because they wanted to create synergies with smaller yeah, uh, it's, companies? I think it's you know a mix of all of that. I think the timing was really important. HICJ, I started it myself with my team at Hitotoki. The first thing we did is we reached out to our partners and invited them to join. So we told them, you know what? We are actually trying to improve the industry and work together because obviously all of us were kind of dissatisfied. I think this is why it works so well from the beginning and hopefully we are going to do great things from now on, preparing for better days to come. Well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. How do you define luxury? You know, you have different level of luxury. Luxury we try to offer at Hitotoki is the capacity to offer experiences that are high-end but also very intimate and very customized for clients. So I see a lot of companies that offer luxury tours which are not really oriented in the same way that we do. Especially you have Japanese companies like uh, the big travel companies like JTB or HIS who have their own luxury departments. And if you look at their website, you realize that it's really having expensive hotels and expensive restaurants, but it's not really about having, you know, the feeling of being special and doing something very unique. I think that's something that luxury is really about, all of that. Yeah. As a self-described luxury travel designer, what is one unique itinerary you would offer to someone living in Tokyo who wants to get away for a two-night, three-day unique experience and I know you're gonna say it depends on their budget but let's just say they're an expat what is your go-to awesome experience I'm here in Tokyo I'm bored I've been on lockdown for pretty much a year and a half and I want to go somewhere fairly close two nights three days hit me okay then we'll go to Shizuoka we'll get you to those traditional fishermen villages uh, staying in a very nice hotel uh, around Shizuoka with Mount Fuji. You, you could see Mount Fuji from your room. So we'll go to the wasabi farm, we'll go to the tea farm, we would eat sushi at a very local sushi restaurant where you have the chef who is like 80 years old and contrary to maybe more famous sushi restaurant in Tokyo who is very uh, approachable I would say. Okay. 
and uh, we would do that. We could take you to um, uh, also, I don't know, sake brewery if you want. Like we can basically have a very nice, yeah, two nights, three days trip in Shizuoka and come back and feel refreshed. Really nice experience. Sweet, I love it. Wow, I'm ready to go, man. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. Japanese speakers know that ZO means elephant in Japanese. And elephants are strong, intelligent creatures where the leaders nurture their young. ZO Digital Japan is an SEO and digital marketing agency based in Tokyo. Contact them to help your business grow traffic by four times, seven times, and even ten times in one year with services such as SEO, content marketing, pay per click advertising, and more. Head to the website zodigital.jp and look for the elephant logo. I've often heard from friends and acquaintances that work in the travel industry, mainly hotels, they want to get foreigners. But they're not really making an effort to accommodate foreigners. Exactly. Is this what you find as well? Yes. You know, a lot of hotels, obviously, most of their markets is domestic. They always targeted this market. When we have meeting with some of those hotels, I would show up at the meeting and they would say, oh, there is the president of Hitotoki who comes. So they feel like they need to send like a whole crew of staff. And it's a very Japanese way of doing meetings. As a small company, we sometimes don't have all our team here, so sometimes we are one or just two of us. Even those small things are very business Japanese oriented, and you, you see that they need more kind of a spark of foreign influence to adapt. Food, for instance, some hotels have very Japanese breakfast and not really open to Western breakfast. And it's not difficult to have you know, some bread and jam and coffee or something like that. Some hotels cannot accommodate any food allergies or restrictions, have set times for breakfast or dinner. Like, you're in a hotel, you want to relax. And I don't want to, to book my dinner at 6 p.m. tomorrow because I already need to set what I want to have for breakfast and all of that. So, Well, it is called the hospitality industry, isn't it? Absolutely. And Japan is famous for its omotenashi. Right? But what you just said is sometimes there's some inflexibility when、yes. it comes to guest services. Doesn't that go against the definition of hospitality and omotenashi? It's a good question. It's, omotenashi is really the Japanese hospitality in the way that it's not the same hospitality we have overseas. For me, having like a Middle Eastern background, hospitality is getting somebody you don't know sit at your table and treat him like. He's your own son and feed him until he is going to pass out, and then make sure he had a blast and then let him go and have great memory. Japan is very different. They want to offer the best experience as soon as it's within the set rules that they decided as a property. Well, if you follow the rules, you're gonna have a great experience, but if you wanna have your dinner at 8 p.m., then you're gonna be a 
big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Japan is a very rule-based society, so Absolutely. especially if you're in an onsen, as long as you're just willing to switch off and be totally taken care of and not make any decisions by yourself or make any decisions on your own, then you'll probably have a good time. For sure, that's, that's why we get back to what we discussed earlier, which is those type of hotels or properties are not really um, ready to welcome foreign guests. So even they would advertise to the foreign market, if they don't adapt, then we also want at HICJ to push this kind of consulting to our members so that they can get better at welcoming foreign visitors. That's because a good point. The consulting part of it for the suppliers, do they want that? Well, that, that's actually something we're trying to see now. The situation we are all in now makes us feel more open to hear you know, new ideas and new opportunities. I personally think Okinawa is really the best place in Japan in the way that you have the Japanese culture, you have a mix of Chinese culture because of history and all of that. And still, it's not really visited by foreign visitors. And the reason why is because properties there are not really foreign market oriented in the way that when you think of Okinawa, you want to go to the beach, you want to spend some time at a resort. And it's very hard to find, you know, those small scale aesthetics, beautiful resorts in Okinawa. You have just a few of them. But they're actually either not next to the sea or they don't have they don't have logistics at the beach for having beach towels and like umbrellas and all of that. We sometimes receive such kind of pamphlets recently, like of places that are really usually more Japanese market oriented. And you can see even just by the brochure that I would not really push it to my clients because I know that would not be a good fit. They would arrive there, they would feel like it's not the image they wanted for the trip. I think there is a lot of work to do also, not only advertising those destinations to the foreign market, but really work on how to attract those people. Are you talking specifically just about the main island, like Naha, or like uh, Ishigakijima, Miyakojima? Yeah, I'm talking about all of the islands actually around, in, but I know that there are no really luxury properties there that are ready to welcome foreign visitors while there are like huge opportunities and I really believe that could be a huge trend in the future so I always try to keep an eye out even try to reach out to the Okinawa Tourism Bureau to say hey let's collaborate together through maybe HICJ trying to do something at Hitotoki as a company and at HICJ as a club we have the knowledge of what foreign clients want let's work together getting people to feel attracted to your region People who get the pamphlet and they would just they read it, say, oh, it looks nice. And then that's it because no plans on how to get there, what to do, who to contact. We believe that this is where a better collaboration between you know, the public and the private sectors can really push those rural region and more less visited region for foreign market. Huge challenge, but... In the travel industry, all suppliers from airlines to hotels to ground transportation often block off availability for their biggest customers. JTB, as you mentioned, HIS, due to their quantity, the volume of business that they give them. Since you are dealing in quality versus quantity, how does this affect your business proposition when dealing and negotiating with these suppliers? It's a very good question. It, you know, Japan, especially for hotels, so it's 
very competitive because you don't have so many hotels and during the high season everybody wants to stay in the same hotels. We kind of have opportunity to get uh, rooms that probably some other competitors could not get because of the relationship we build with them. We don't work with hundreds of hotels like larger companies. We kind of build relationship with just a couple of hotels who know us very well and who know our clients and who know that when we send a request, for many other companies, they would not block a room like for a smaller company, but for us, they would know that our type of clients are most likely going to uh, confirm the trip. Our type of clients, you mean that you're booking more suites than the major travel agencies because they're dealing in volume, they're dealing in discounts, and you are probably dealing a little bit more higher end, higher profit accommodation. That's the point. And the thing is, our type of clients who want to stay in those suites, they do not particularly focus on budgets. If one suite is not available, they would go maybe to the bigger one or they would try to spend more nights in one hotel and continue the trip later on. Like They have a bit more flexibility on that part. We're happy always to support. Cool. One thing I'm really interested in are the different requests or patterns based on nationalities. Yeah, it's very funny to see for our U.S. clients or for our Middle Eastern clients or for our European clients. Middle Eastern clients, they would want to have dinner reservation every single day of the trip, which is very challenging because in Japan, you need to book the, the restaurants. You, It's very hard to get a table, but they only open usually one or two months ahead. So even you book six months ahead, it's not possible. So that's one thing. Another point is you need to select the course in advance in Japan. Clients don't know how Japan works, which is totally normal. It's hard to select a course. You even don't know what's going to be on the menu a few months ahead. And a lot of it's seasonal. And you cannot do a la carte, which is very difficult for clients who have food restrictions, food allergies. Yeah, it's two cultures meeting and making an interesting mix. What was the most difficult request you ever had which you were able to fulfill? Many of our clients are a lot of privacy around this, but for this specific client, since it was public, we arranged holiday for the U.S. ambassador to Japan. They wanted to go to Hokkaido. This was part of half of public trip, half private. So basically they were asking us to arrange you know, all of the services when they travel in Hokkaido. We had to arrange things in Asahikawa, in Abashiri, Shiretoko, all, all those places that me, myself, I've traveled once or twice, but we actually don't send our clients there. And you cannot say to an ambassador, oh, sorry, I'm, I don't do that. So <laughs> we had the meeting, we discussed what they want to do, and then we started, you know, it was mission impossible, but we, we need to make it possible. We started calling people, going there, meeting people, finding the good driver because you have a lot of logistics about what type of car. How much lead time did you have? We had actually a couple of months, but the difficult part was a lot was pending until, you know, later on when we got closer to the trip. And because you have a lot of back and forth, of course, with the embassy and all of that, you, you do not control all aspects of the trip, but you need to make sure it goes smoothly. So that was really stressful, but I was so happy when they came back after the trip. We met them at an event at the embassy and they told us how they got an amazing trip. It was a real relief. Congratulations. So now you should say on your website that you are the official boutique travel supplier to the U.S. ambassador to Japan. <laughs> Why did you decide to start your own company? 
Uh, <laughs> it's a good question. So I came to Japan over 10 years ago now, and I initially worked in the telecommunication industry. I really didn't enjoy it, so I thought, okay, I will change industry. And I found an opportunity in a travel agency in Japan. So I started working there. It was 2012. And at that time, we were everybody was talking about how the inbound tourism industry is booming in Japan and how we're... It was. It was booming. And we were expecting 20 million by the Olympics in 2020. And in the end, we had even double before that. Everything was booming for tourism. And I realized that they were not really a company focusing on the luxury market only. Most companies, as inbound was booming, they started having a dedicated team for luxury market, but they didn't have specific processes, they didn't have specific experiences. So I thought there was a huge opportunity to start doing something like that. Yeah, I like it. And this kind of segues into my free, unsolicited business idea oh. for you, Alex. Can't wait to hear a subscription service for Japan virtual tours and experiences. Okay. For example, and of course, this has to be very high definition, done professionally, you know, not on your iPhone or anything like that. For example, a 30-minute video on the big five temples, shrines of Kyoto, mm -hmm. or the top five back alley izakayas of Shinjuku, with subtitled interviews with the manager and his or her recommended dish with recipe suggestion, or tours of top hotels and ryokans in Japan. And these include an affiliate link for merch from their gift shop, or even a tour of a Japanese knife factory showing the 20 steps it takes to make a masterpiece knife with a link and discount code to our web shop <laughs> where one can purchase the knives they just saw being made by master craftsmen and women. Of course, an affiliate commission going to you. So you earn a little bit on the subscription service and you also earn as an affiliate for anything ordered through these videos. It's kind of like that master class subscription service. Mm -hmm. You pay one fee and you get access to a catalog of different subjects. What do you think? Wow, I, I love the idea. It's, uh, it's, there is obviously like huge opportunity for such kind of you know, cooperation between craftsmen and local places with companies that bridge them to the outside world. So I really think that's very interesting. There are probably a, a lot of logistics beyond the regular travel uh, logistic to handle. But I think that's actually a very nice idea, indeed. And I'm serious about the knife factory. We can yeah. arrange tours. This is something I keep in mind. I remember we talked about it before. It's yeah, for sure. Alex, what is your favorite Japanese word that does not have a direct English translation? I would say it's uh, Ichigo Ichie. The translation would be one encounter in a lifetime. Like somebody you would meet or a situation that happened is going to be just once in your lifetime. It's actually when I was looking for the name of Hitotoki, I really like the idea. It's like carpe diem or uh, in English is uh, seize, the, seize the moment or something like that. It's getting close to that. 
the problem was Ichigo Ichie is very complicated to use as a company name. Yeah. So I changed it to Hitotoki because it's one time, it's close to that, and it's easy to pronounce in English, in French, in Arabic. We decided to go with that, but initially Ichigo Ichie is probably my favorite expression. That's cool. Good. You're、yeah. the second person that has selected that. Oh. Yomoji Jukugo, ne? Yeah, I like that one too. Nice. Alex, thank you for your insight and sharing your wisdom. I think your business is, is fantastic. I think you got a great future.、Uh, for sure, as you said, I think the trends are favoring your business model. I hope so. Keep up the good work. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really nice to talk with you today. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much. And that was Alex Debs, the founder of Hitotoki, the luxury travel designer. If you're ready for your magical travel moments, contact Alex at hitotoki travel.com. There you will find more information about his services and some suggested unique itineraries. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out more Now and Zen episodes at the website nowandzen.jp. Now and Zen is all one word. Thanks, everyone.